Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, I want to talk, start tonight's show by saying uh, happy birthday to my wife. Uh, it's her birthday today. And yes, I promise you that uh, Tim Tebow did not spend uh, the rest of the weekend in our bedroom. Uh, she was very happy about that. Uh, yesterday we spent the uh, at Yankee Stadium. Fortunately, the Yankees lost. Not only did they lose, Mariano Rivera blew the game by giving up a grand slam, something that uh, has not happened since 2002. However, with everything Mariano has given us, it's just a small blemish on a fantastic career. And I found it interesting that a couple of people yesterday uh, wanted him to go, thinking he's done and smell damaged goods. It's like unbelievable. I mean, I, I get why people hate Yankee fans at sometimes. It's ridiculous. But the Yankees, of course, bounce back tonight with a big come-from-behind win, exciting game against the Boston Red Sox. Alex Rodriguez ties it up with a two-run homer in the ninth. And Marcus Thames, the guy who wasn't on the Yankees for a while, started his career with the Yankees, hit a walk-off home run in an exciting fashion. My only question is why it wasn't that last night, or yesterday afternoon, rather, while I was there. But that's okay. But there are the big major things going on this weekend. Tops on the list was Game Time Phillies players bowl their Madden tournament. And we have Jay Rios right now to report all the action. Jay, are you there? Yes, I am. It was good stuff this weekend down in Philadelphia. Well, Jay, And then happy birthday uh, to Dawn for me, Zoo. Please, I I forgot about that. Please pass that on. uh, I wish you a happy birthday. Oh, definitely. Okay. I will. She was officially sick of Tim Tebow and didn't want him in the bedroom no more. So that was uh, my first birthday present. But uh, that's <laughs> well, for, Charlie that's could for, do I that. Guess, I guess that's for another show. But game time Phillies, uh, Madden tournament players bowl. Uh, we talked about it in length last week. Tell us about your trip. What happens when you get there? Run us through the the start of the tournament. You sent me some nice pictures. It seems like there's a lot going on. So describe to us a little bit of how it works. Uh, Players Bowl is the biggest independent uh, man tournament in the nation. And what I mean by independent is they're not sponsored by any big corporations. Uh, um, a lot of it is um, small sponsorships. And um, it's a collaboration of many different uh, organizations kind of helping out uh, game time. And uh, basically, um, it's in terms of playing in the tournament, it has a tremendous tradition nationally across the country. Uh, probably the oldest ongoing running national tournament uh, format and in the nation. So it's, uh, it's a pretty incredible event. Uh, for me, my day started extremely early on Saturday. Um, uh, I'm, I'm from New York, so uh, the trip is about an hour and a half, but... Uh, being one of the officials uh, for the tournament, I have to be there early before everything starts. So um, uh, I left here at about 6.30. Uh, I was supposed to take a player from New York with me. He ran late. So uh, um, so I think we got there around 8.30 or so. Um, and then it's pretty much uh, preparing all the equipment and getting it ready. And then uh, the tournament gets going. And after that, it's about 12 to <laughs> – it's actually it's like a 20-hour marathon. And, uh, you know, by the time you get to the end, you're exhausted. And uh, about a million things happen from the beginning to the end of that tournament. I think all the staff were thoroughly exhausted by the end of that tournament. But it was a great tournament. It was a great time. Um, it's always great to see the top players in the Madden community and the top players in the world in Madden uh, come together and compete their hearts out. and It ends up being a fantastic tournament. Yeah, and uh, I want to concentrate on what this tournament means to the players for a few minutes. Uh, this tournament is, probably, is at the end of the Madden uh, run pretty much. The game has been out quite a while. So you have a factor of everybody really knowing the game inside and out. And then, you know, not only do you have to be great at the game, you have to have a lot of stamina. As you said, it's a grueling tournament. It's grueling for the staff, but uh, the staff doesn't have to play. You know, they, they could be off and uh, not worry about getting eliminated, so to speak. And, uh, you know, it's just 
uh, seems like a grueling, grueling thing. And then you have all the trash talking you have to deal with as well. I know a lot of these players get very vocal, and some players don't respond too well to that. So, you know, the best of the best comes out of these tournaments, considering all those factors, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I'm definitely going to get to that point uh, at some point during this discussion, uh, because there is we did have a small incident that happened at the competition uh, with a player attacking another player. Uh, in the tournament, and, and it's it's one of the things that you know it's a shame, and it's a it's it's uh, you know I was thinking about it today in the sport of Madden. Um, you know, you have other sports that are more physical sports, um, and there really isn't that many non-physical sports. Like you don't see guys in golf. <laughs> you know, everybody's told to be quiet in golf. Everybody's told to be quiet yeah. in tennis. These are more like gentlemen sports, but Madden emulates. Um, American professional sports emulates football. Football is a rough physical sport. Hockey is a physical sport. Um, I don't know. Baseball is physical to a degree, but not really, you know, it has physical aspects during a game. You can have that. But Madden, it's more emotional. It's an emotional sport. So it's different in the sense that you might not be getting physical, but it is high emotions are running. It's just part of the competition at the highest level. And sadly, it has been misconstrued by the media and sometimes exploited uh, by the media as this is what Madden is. It's a bunch of guys yelling in each other's face, and it's so much more than that. Um, it's just part of the competition, and unfortunately, uh, we did have one small incident um, where both the competitors were eliminated from the competition because of it. Well, we'll get to that incident in a little bit, Jay, uh, but I, I want to touch on uh, what you were saying. I mean, it is a sport, and it's human nature to have a lot of adrenaline rushing when you're getting ready to compete for a sport. I mean, the testosterone is flying, and it's just natural that, to have all that going. And, you know, on top of that, you have to be great with the hand-eye coordination, and you're pretty much all hyped up, and all you could do is press buttons. So it's like, you know, you have to concentrate on your game, but there's no physical contact to really let all of that out, you, you know. They let it out. I said some people are so reserved they don't say two words while they're playing. I don't know how they get through it, but uh, everybody has a different approach. And it, it, to me, it's just human nature. But uh, tell us about some of how the tournament works, like in terms of uh, how players are selected to play and, and that type of a thing. Well, it's an open tournament. Uh, the Players' Bowl is an open tournament, so anybody could uh, sign up and register, uh, shoot, compete. Um, the majority of the competitors are the hardest of the hardcore. They're the top players from around the country. Um, they're former Madden uh, Challenge World Champions. These guys are the best of the best, and the top names were there. Uh, Dynasty uh, is um, the former 2009 Madden Challenge Champion. He was there. Unfortunately, uh, he did not compete. Um, I did get a chance to talk to him briefly, and he wasn't sure if he was going to even compete next year. I thought that was the only sad news that I heard out of the tournament. But, uh, you know, these guys are young guys when they're playing and competing, and, you know, they're getting older, and, you know, with that comes more responsibilities and thinking about their future. So um, he wasn't sure he would have the time uh, to put into the game as he wanted to in years past. Um, but I do think we'll see him again. It was unfortunate he didn't compete in this tournament. He's such a talented uh, competitor and uh, was a great Madden Challenge champion. Uh, problem, the uh, current uh, Madden World Champion was there uh, as well. He had a fantastic showing, got to the Final Four in the Xbox 360 competition. There were actually two Madden uh, tournaments going on at the same time, along with uh, a Super Smash Brothers tournament and a um, Call of Duty Modern Warfare tournament that were kind of um, on the side, so to speak, Madden really uh, took center stage uh, at Players Bowl. And uh, uh, Problem had an excellent showing uh, coming all the way from the West Coast. He is, of course, the two-time uh, Madden Challenge champion um, and the current defending champion uh, going into next year. He had a really good showing, got to the Final Four. He ended up losing to um, one of the regional finalists, in uh, another fantastic play on last year's Players Bowl champion, Evil Ken, in the Final Four. And then on the other side of that Final Four for the Xbox 360, that was the biggest purse, by the way, Zoot. Uh, 
that purse was for three thousand dollars. It was a guaranteed five thousand uh, for both Madden tournaments combined, and the Xbox 360 tournament uh, was giving out three thousand. Um, so that was one half of the final four. The other half of the final four saw um, a young man by the name of Magic, who I've seen in many tournaments, and this time he really came out into the forefront. And you know, you get those. One thing about going to Game Time Philly and the Players Bowl tournament is a lot of players who are solid players, this is when they come out and, and really make a name for themselves and show themselves. That was That's exactly what it was for Evil Ken last year um, when he won the Players Bowl. And he almost repeated this year uh, by getting to the finals. But Magic, um, surprisingly, uh, was in the Final Four, and he played a competitor you know uh, rather well, Zoot, uh, in evil offense, evil offense, of course, yes. one of the competitors here in New York in the Madden League that we ran. Somebody I actually had the chance to play in was very competitive against. Yeah, right. Makes you feel good. Rematch. I want my rematch, evil offense. <laughs> the guy had to pull out all the trick plays to beat me, but that's for another story. Yeah, well, that's the Bronx's own. I mean, I don't know. You know, it's funny because I don't know when was the last time. The Bronx had such great representation. Well, yeah, we've actually had some great players out of the Bronx, but uh, not lately. Uh, we haven't had many of New York New Yorkers going out there, so uh, it was a good sign to see Evil. He got to the Final Four. He didn't beat Magic, but you know the kid is he's playing better every year, and he's so relentless. He doesn't give up. He's out there competing. So uh, I was really impressed. He got to the Final Four. Um, uh, in the biggest tournament in the country and one of the hardest tournaments in the country. I mean, they were playing that Final Four zoo that, like, it must have been 3, three or 4 in the morning. Maybe later than that. It might have, it might have been later than that after having started to play. I'm sorry? Well, you know, from what I know, of, I said way past my bedtime, but from what I know of Evil Offense, he was one of the most passionate Madden players that I have ever met. And, you know, those who are equal in passion that, you know, I've met with Evil Offense, really didn't handle losses all that well. One thing i got to give Evil Offense is he can handle a loss very well. He doesn't let him, it's not the end of the world. He's not looking to blame the world when he does lose. He just says, all right, got to go get it again. And that's the thing a lot of these players have that are at that level. And I, I just don't think they have enough, they get enough credit for uh, being real sports performers. I mean, because, you know, they get a lot of negative uh, stuff from the press, but it takes a lot of practice to be at the top level. I mean, hours upon hours of practice to get at that level. And sometimes you don't have anything to show for it. There's not too many of these tournaments that give out these heavy paydays. So you have to, number one, be dedicated. You have to be good. You have to put in the time. And you have to be able to handle the unbelievable pressure that a tournament like this puts on you. Yeah, I agree, and that's you know that's exactly some of the things that you know should have been told by the press. Should have been you know those are things that I thought that um, the show Madden Nation completely missed, never even touched on, never focused on. It was all about the yelling and the screaming. And Madden is so much more than that, and um, you know it, the community is so much more than that. And uh, you know uh, you're absolutely right. I mean it takes a lot. I mean I, I can't tell you how many tournaments, no matter how big or how small. Some of these guys will, you know, the links they'll go to travel to these tournaments. Um, you know, the kid I took is from Brooklyn, uh, ENY, that came with me to the competition. And uh, I always offer a ride to anybody from New York going who's willing to take the ride with me because I don't mind offering a free ride. I'm going down there anyway. If it'll help a player and I'm going to be there, I have no problem taking him. Um, but, I mean, even him, I mean, he, he, he doesn't even have a car. And this kid is taking, like, you know, four trains to get to Port Authority, get on a bus, take the bus. Sometimes the tournament ends when the bus, uh, you know, when the buses aren't running. He has no place to stay. You know, he'll sleep in the bus terminal, wait for the next bus, get on the bus with a bunch of other guys. I mean, these guys are really, I mean, that's, this is, you know, the beginning of what this sport is. And you have guys just, you know, doing everything they can just to be a part of the competition. Uh, and as, as you mentioned, the, the incredible amounts of time and training. And Evil Offense is a seasoned, experienced, you know, professional player. And Madden, no, he has not won a major tournament. Um, he's gotten to a, 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 an EA Sports Challenge final. 
Madden Child's final before. He didn't win it. Um, he got to the final four here in Players Bowl. He's had good showings before, and you're right. You know, he might not have had, he might not have done something um, huge, but he has put, as you said, a lot of effort, um, like a lot of other players, and dedication into the competition. So, and and like I said, we both know Evil personally. We've known him for a long time. So, uh, you got to tip your hat to the effort that he put towards, um, you know, he put towards that he puts towards Madden rather. Um, on a regular basis. Well, yeah, I give him all the credit in the world, and as well as everybody else who is still at the top level in this game. It's not easy. Uh, if you don't win a couple of these tournaments, where, you, where you're getting your income from, how are you putting in the time to practice? If you have to juggle a life, if there's a lot of factors involved, and these guys want to make it a, you know, into a full-time sport, and they should get a lot more credit than what they do for competing. It is not a waste of, of time. I mean, and thankfully for them, there's tournaments that are set up like this. Back when we started, I, I don't recall having many opportunities to really uh, make a, make any money and prove yourself against tough competition. There wasn't that much out there. And now there seems to be a lot more at these players' uh, fingertips. But right now I want to get into a little semantics about the, the game time Philly Players Bowl. Uh, tell us a little bit about how the tournament is set up. Is it a one-game elimination? How many minute quarters do they play? Uh, you know, what, what, you know. Give us a little bit about the details of you know what it takes to play in this tournament. What are the rules? Well, this particular tournament was uh, a uh, best. Uh, you had to play in a three. Everybody plays in a three-man round robin. It was three minute quarters. There's so many competitors, and since you're running two tournaments on two different stations, you do have people playing on PlayStation 3, and you have people playing on 360, you know, and then you have players playing on both. So uh, they do three-minute quarters to get um, the tournament, to keep the tournament moving. Um, and then uh, you play basically in a three-man round robin. The winner of that three-man, uh, what happens is the loser of the you have two guys play each other, the loser stays on, the winner comes in and plays the loser. And then, the, and then the other two match up in the third matchup, the winner of the first game, and either uh, and not the loser, but the who. It doesn't matter who wins the second game. So the opponent who did not play the first game ends up playing the winner of the first game in the third game, if you can follow that. And um, and then the winner of that bracket goes on to the single elimination. Then you have the point differential. Um, this 21-point skunk rule, so if you are winning by 21 and the other competitor has had a possession, an offensive possession, um, you do win the game and you get the 21 points. And, of course, the uh, overall points are important because that's tabulated and added to your uh, plus or minus point differential. It's usually a plus, obviously, if you win the bracket. Um, the competitors then go into a single elimination round where other competitors, um, like the first part of the day, it's the initial uh, round robin. Then there is a um, a qualifying round where competitors that didn't make it. Los was one of those competitors. Uh, people who don't know who Los is, Los is one of the top guys in Madden. And he also won a regional this year. He won a regional out in um, Anaheim this year for Madden Challenge. Um, and that's a big deal because there were only uh, three regionals in Madden Challenge this year. So basically he only had three shots to win a regional. So he won a regional this year, had a very good showing uh, by winning that regional, and uh, he got eliminated in the first round. So you want to talk about a player that, you know, you want to talk about frustration. Here's a guy who has won a regional, went down to Miami, was one of the top eight in the Madden Challenge, which meant he got a chance to win the Madden Challenge by going down to Miami, and he gets eliminated in the first uh, hour of the tournament. Well, that goes to show you how competitive it is and uh, what makes it so great is that. And uh, guys like that have to deal with that, and they just pick themselves up the floor and they keep going. And that, that takes a lot. It takes a lot on many different levels. But uh, what also takes a lot on many different le levels is officiating one of these uh, tournaments. Uh, nobody knows that better than you. Give us the no. role of the official at this uh, tournament. What, what does the role of the official have to do in keeping in check? 
Uh, well, just real quick, to go back to Lowe's, I just want to point out, he did lose in the 360 in the first round. He came back in a buyback in the Xbox 360 tournament. But I do want to mention, he did end up getting to the finals in the PS3 uh, competition. So that was a really good showing uh, by Lowe's. But addressing your question, I mean, you definitely know. I mean, that's a question more for the audience because you know what it's like. It's a lot of work. And it's a lot of standing. It's a lot of getting numbers. It's a lot of answering five questions at once. It's a lot of trying to get, give everybody an answer when, you know, when uh, you don't know what the answer is, and then you have to go find out what's going on, and then you have to get back to that person. It's a lot of trying to organize and keep the players around so that they can hear their names being called to be put on the stations. And there is basically no lunch break <laughs> until at least after 8 or 9 p.m. And, and it's not long, and then you jump right back in and uh, you go at it again. It's it's a lot of hard work. And, you know, I also want to mention uh, Robert Morgan, uh, who runs Game Time Philly and has been really holding this community together. I mean, a lot of people don't realize, you know, Bobby has kind of kept it. You know, a lot of organizers have stopped running independent tournaments. Uh, there's no longer a Mega Bowl. Um, there's no longer an MWS National Championship. These were all tournaments that were thriving, uh, and, but all going on at the same time from different independent organizations. You know, Bobby is really the only independent uh, promoter left right now, uh, a.k.a. Storm, uh, known as Storm throughout the community. And Darnell, and those guys do a fantastic job. Chris, who's also working with them at game time, uh, those guys did a tremendous job putting this together. Even Kinslow, Kinslow uh, also was a part of it. So I give these guys all a lot of credit. Uh, for really keeping it together. Um, we also had Curly Top there. Toppa is no doubt the voice of the Madden community, uh, the voice of Madden Challenge. Uh, he was there to keep the spirits high. It, you know, all those guys really putting a lot, traveling to be a part uh, of this competition, and uh, it really was amazing. I mean, they, they even had a senator who was running for governor stop by that tournament. Um you know, really pretty impressive. So even Philly Ron. Philly Ron's another one who also works for Challenge. He was there uh, doing updates and blogs and everybody working really hard to put on a good show. And, and so from the officiating standpoint, all those guys are dedicating something. Uh, myself as well uh, there, um, you know, and it, it wasn't easy. I had to work the next day when I got back. I think I got back around 9.30 in the morning. And if you look at everybody's Facebook from the tournament, it's like, Either, I mean, Dynasty was saying that he he lost his voice. When I said goodbye to him at the end of the night, he was heading out the door with no voice. Um, uh, big, big game James, another player, had no voice. I My voice was going. Uh, I was becoming delirious towards the end of the tournament. You know, everybody was exhausted. You know, Bobby was exhausted. Darnell was exhausted. Everybody was, you know, finished. Even Mike Brown was there. Uh, Mike Brown, a tremendous figure. Uh, and challenge for a long time. Even he was there supporting the event, and uh, they did some good stuff. There was firefighters against cancer. There, it was. You know, there was a lot of good stuff. A lot of good things. A lot of positive things uh, in that tournament. You know, Bobby is another guy that I know personally, and, and another guy that uh, I played against and gave him all I can handle. Yes, uh, this show is all about me tonight, folks. Forget about everybody else. <laughs> hey, Zoot, you know what? Not for nothing. <laughs> Zoot, not for nothing. Bobby treated us to Big Nicks. Anybody who treats us to Big Nicks. <laughs> hey, he's a good in my book, but I know Bobby, and you know he has one thing on his mind. He cares about the product. He wants to make it work, uh, You know, despite of how aggravating and grueling it can be. He never loses his passion to, to, to put his tournament out there and have his name out there in the community. And when I, when I think about him, I, I you know I, I know he wants everything to go smoothly, but when you're dealing with uh, guys on this type of level and this type of pressure with all the trash talking, sometimes it could turn into something undesirable. And you mentioned an incident that that happened this past weekend that is related to that. So why don't, why don't you give us some details on that, what, what it is you're talking about with this incident? Well, it's it's ironic because the information, uh, I was actually part of the incident towards the end, but it was very quick. It was an incident that happened very quickly, and it did relate to the trash talking. And uh, it was uh, one party 
uh, that uh, was giving another party a hard time. Now, there's the EAFL, which is run by Kamish T. It's a very respected group. Uh, they, they do a lot of online leagues. Um, and I'll tell you, um, I know these guys. Every time I meet the EAF, sorry, EAFL guys, uh, I, you know, I have nothing negative to say about those guys. Great guys. Great every time I see them. Great guys. Um, you know, Commission's got some really fantastic guys in his crew. Um, they end up in a situation with another crew. Um, I don't know if many people remember the Man and Ishii show. There was a competitor, Yo Mama. Uh, he was part of this crew, and then the, there was a kid, Vincent, from the EFFL. Not to get into details, just words were exchanged, and uh, uh, the young kid from the EFF, EAFL, who I don't know, I, I've never seen that kid before. He's a young kid. I think that's why it kind of got out of hand. Um, their words, words were exchanged, uh, and they weren't even playing each other. That's the amazing thing. And uh, words were exchanged, and somebody threw a punch, and the young man was escorted out. And you know, the the young uh, the the young man, your mama, that was giving uh, the guy a hard time that got hit, he was also escorted out. So it's an unfortunate situation, and uh, I mean, you know, I think it was just guys caught up in the moment, you know, uh, just caught up in the game and caught up in the moment, moment sorry, and, uh, you know, it just ended with somebody getting escorted out, and uh, both of them actually getting escorted out and asked to leave the tournament, which was the right decision. It all happened within a 30-second time period. It happened so fast, and like I said, it shouldn't be something um, – that is even, uh, you know, uh, a mar or even something that's important to talk about in the tournament because there were so many other positive things. Um, but, again, there is no excuse. You know, you can't, you know, the the, the, the bad part is you, there is no excuse. I mean, I'm somebody who can relate to it completely, but you have no, you know, once it gets physical, you know, that's, you know, there, there's a fine line there. And, and Madden does bring out a lot of high emotion. But uh, once you you throw a punch, it's uh, you know it's you can't go back. And once you do it, it's like you know that's that's the line. Uh, it can't get to that point. Uh, no matter what was said to you, because everybody forgets what was said to you. They just know that you threw the punch, and you know. Um, and unfortunately, uh, you know, this young man and, and the other young man both got themselves escorted out of the competition, and. Uh, you know, I, th- I think it was on the internet like 15 minutes after it happened. <laughs> I got a report, but uh, um, I actually didn't even really uh, want to get into it uh, that much tonight because I didn't think it was really worthy enough. Uh, you know, we see it in sports often, Zoo. You see pitchers get charged on the mound. You see uh, a lot of shoving in football. We see it in basketball, uh, uh, benches clearing. I'm not saying that that's an excuse because those are all those guys are being paid and that's that's all behavior that should not uh is not a good example uh of competitive sports but unfortunately when it happens in madden uh it almost seems like that's the um how would i put it like that people just take that as yeah that's what madden is and it isn't and it doesn't happen often in madden uh, but unfortunately, when it does, it's definitely made, uh, you know, there's definitely a big reaction to it. Um, and like I said, uh, you know, all sports, you know, sports have it. I don't agree with it. I, you know, and, and just like, you know, sports, I don't think any of the organizers agree with it. And, uh, you know, penalties, you know, are thrown at these players. And, you know, here's, here's an example, two players being ejected from the competition, and, you know, uh, you have to, as an official, I'll tell you, you have to get close to the guys when you start seeing, like, you know, you really have to judge when to step in or get closer to when two guys are yelling at each other uh, because you don't want anything to happen and you don't want somebody to make a mistake. Unfortunately, this time, uh, regardless of people being there, you know, that happened. So It's unfortunate when it does happen, when it happens, it has to, it has to be dealt with. It has to be dealt with the right way. It certainly sounds like it was dealt with the right way in this incident, and uh, I'm not surprised with the people who are running the show and with you being there that it was dealt with the right way. But it doesn't define the tournament. It doesn't define the sport and what's it about. 
it's an unfortunate part of it that happens very infrequently, but somehow it gets defined as part of what the sport is, and that is very unfortunate. But you're right, we're not going to spend any more time on it. Why don't we, why don't we get down to the nitty-gritty and give us who, who won these tournaments, who was victorious, whose hard work paid off this weekend? Well, you know what, yeah, well, some names came out. And, again, you know, last year the Players' Bowl champion was Evil Ken. He came out and he did his thing and he stepped up and won a huge game uh, to get himself to the finals and then win that championship last year. So Evil Ken trying to repeat. And, you know, it's funny because I mentioned it to Bobby. I was like, wow, Bobby, here's Evil Ken. He's back in the finals again. When was the last? What was the last competitor to repeat? at a player's bowl, and he said it was Big Gene, but if I'm, and he said Big Gene won back-to-back, and I think you remember that, Zoo. You were there um, in Philly, but I don't think it was player's bowl then. I'm not sure if it was player's bowl then. And that, that those two tournaments were in the same year, so I was thinking more like who were ever repeated in the game-time Philly player's bowl back-to-back years, and I don't think that's ever been done. Well, Evil Ken had a really good shot to do it, he ended up taking on Magic in the 360 tournament. That was the considered the major tournament of the two between that and the PS3. And unfortunately, he did not win it. He came up short. Uh, Magic came out and uh, surprised everybody by winning that tournament. And so he is the man that puts his name out there now by winning that tournament. Uh, he um, It was a late score by Evil Ken uh, in the game with just about... I think it was just about two or three minutes left in the game, and Evil Ken was behind and came back, scored a touchdown, took uh, the lead on uh, Magic, and Magic quickly responded, did the same, took the lead, and then Evil Ken just did not have enough time. I think he was down to 23 seconds, um, and I believe he was down by a field goal, and Evil Ken was able to tie the game, take the finals into overtime. I mean, that was just incredible. Evil Ken was able to take the finals into overtime, and then it just came down to a coin toss. And anybody who plays competitive Madden knows that sometimes that coin toss will dictate who will win the game, and that's exactly what happened. Magic won the coin toss. Uh, He set up a a nice drive uh, down uh, to Evil Ken's uh, 40 or 35-yard line, somewhere around there, and then after that, uh, he ran the mixed up the run in the pass, and got it in there and won the game. So uh, it was a fantastic finish. Uh, Magic uh, making a name for himself uh, at uh, the Players' Bowl, ironically, much like Evil Ken did the year before. So he'll be somebody to watch uh, for next year's Madden Challenge for sure. And then in the PS3 Championship, as I mentioned, Los uh, lost in the initial round in the 360 tournament um, and then came back in a buyback. But he fared much better in PS3, which is what Challenge is played on, and he got to the finals, uh, but he was upset by uh, the Terminator, and Terminator would end up winning um, that tournament. He also has been around uh, for a long time under a different name. This year he's going under the Terminator, but uh, he's been around for a while, and uh, he ended up winning today, uh, winning Saturday and, and uh, taking the tournament. So... Two bright stars, uh, you know, getting by some two, – two bright stars getting by two guys that have been to the Manning Challenge Finals, uh, who one of the two eight players in the Manning Challenge Finals this past Manning Challenge. So uh, two impressive uh, performances and two uh, relatively unknown names in Manning Challenge, but well-known names in the community uh, coming out and having uh, uh, solid performances in the manage challenge, in uh, sorry, in the players' bowl uh, on Saturday. Well, congratulations to the the two winners that uh, Jay was mentioning. Congratulations to everybody who went there and, and gave it their all. And uh, I want to give a personal congrats to Bobby for having another successful uh, tournament. And uh, once again, Game Time Philly uh, represents in the Manning community and does their best to make this once and for all known as, first and foremost, a sport. And, you know, just keep plugging away, guys, and you'll get there. Jay, I want to thank you. Uh, If there's anything else, uh, unless there's anything else you want to add, I want to get to a sport that it is okay to throw punches in. Uh, Mixed martial arts, I have Rich 
waiting to talk about the strike force card that happened this past Saturday night. So, Jay, unless you have anything else to add, uh, thanks for your information. And as always, our video game guru with the, with the abundance of information that only you can deliver. Well, thanks, Sue. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. All right, Jay, thanks a lot. And uh, like I said, the one sport that it's okay to throw punches in <laughs> is uh, the mixed martial arts. And I have uh, Rich. We had a nice strike force uh, card this past Saturday. Yeah, but you, uh, before I say that, you were saying uh, I'm glad it was dealt with. Why, why were you glad that it was dealt with, that they broke up the fight at the Madden? Well, we're not going to get into that, Rich. We're going to be talking about strike force right now. Uh, I'm not going to entertain that any further. Uh, Strike Force happened. Uh, the big main event: Brett Rogers and what's the pronunciation of this guy? Alistair Overeem. Alistair Overeem, a mouthful for sure, but uh, definitely a dominant performance by him. Brett Rogers is a guy. Now, uh, do you know Alistair Overeem uh, at all, or uh, this is your first time seeing him? Well, I'm going to get into that, Rich. Uh, first, I want to talk about what actually, what actually happened in the fight. Uh, Brett Rogers, big, strong, powerful guy, has gotten a lot of attention, was on national television against uh, Fedor, and had a well account for himself, and now he steps in for the championship fight. And at the beginning, I was surprised. He looked hesitant to engage, which I had not seen before from Rogers. Rogers is usually just the opposite, very eager to engage. He looked reluctant. He was backing up, throwing some uh, what I like to call baby punches at the air. Would, would really wasn't meant to do anything, but just more of a reflex. He caught some nice kicks from Overeem, and then Overeem finally got a hold of him and tossed him on the floor like he weighed 20 pounds. And while he was on the floor, he grabbed his leg like he was a child and just like dragged. I've never seen that before in an MMA fight. <laughs> grabbed him like almost by the ankle and dra- and dragged him into the position he wanted to, like like, like he was a, a, a child. And this is a big, strong guy. And then he just did some beautiful ground and pound. And I had not seen Overeem fight before. Uh, I did look do some uh, research after that fight and saw him on YouTube. I mean, I was aware of him, but that's the first time I've seen him in live action. So uh, you obviously know a little bit more about him than I do, so give us a little bit of a rundown. All right. uh, First off, he's a K-1. Well, he comes from Holland, which next to Thailand is the premier country for Thai boxing. They have to probably they can go head-to-head with uh, Thailand with their uh, Thai fighters. And from there, I believe he was in K-1. He was a very uh, high competitor. And then he made his way to Pride. Uh, picked up some grappling skills, but, you know, was primarily a striker. Uh, and he had a vicious guillotine where I, I believe he choked out uh, uh, Igor Vochanchian, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, he was a good fighter in pride, uh, you know, mostly not for striking, you know, but his grappling was, you know, the, the, the suspect part of his game. Well, he has a lot of wins, 33 wins and 11 losses. I was looking at his record, and he has some pretty good names on his record, some in winning fashion, some in losing fashion. Right. He has a loss to Shogun, a loss to Antonio Rodrigo Nogueira more than once. Right. Uh, he beat Vitor Belfort. Uh, he, he, he has been around, so he's right. definitely lost to Chuck Liddell. So he's definitely a prominent top-flight MMA fighter right now, one of the few that Strike Force, in my opinion, has that the UFC doesn't have. I mean, uh, and obviously Brett Rogers was a guy that, you know, has been doing a lot. And I'm not sure who was the, the favorite going into this fight, but it was no contest. And when Brett Rogers fought uh, Fedor, up until he got caught with that big right hand, he was right, he was right there. He was very competitive. So I was very... Impressed with Overeem, and uh, I'm sure you were as well. Yeah, and another interesting about Overeem, of course, there's got to be something interesting. Uh, he's had this title in uh, Strike Force for two years without defending it. He's been fighting overseas uh, in Japan in this organization called Dream and other organizations, fighting lackluster opponents at best. Uh, and, and he hasn't, I don't know what other title 
you don't defend it for two years and still have the title. So they kind of, uh, he wanted to fight Fedor, but I don't know, the fight fell through. So Brett Rogers uh, stood up to fight him. Well, the strike force uh, seems like an organization that can't get out of its own way. You know, they, they've ran into a lot of trouble. Uh, you know, they've been accused of uh, a lot of different things. I mean, they they went out of business once and then returned. Well, that was Elite XC, but it's the same thing. They changed, they changed their name, right? So, I mean, you know, you had the whole Kimbo uh, incident where uh, people thought he might have took in a dive, and it was found out that his opponent was paid extra to stand up and, and trade with Kimbo to make it a more entertaining fight. And he won the match. I've heard, <laughs> I've heard that the referees have been uh, instructed to uh, stand the fighters up more to uh, encourage the stand-up striking game. Uh, they had an incident uh, after uh, the big CBS card with Dan Henderson and Jake Shields. They had a, a somewhat of a melee that kind of looked like it was you know, staged. Uh, you know, I don't. I was, wasn't sure if I was watching a mixed martial arts event or a W. You know, a half-ass wrestling uh, event. Yeah. I mean, so they can't get out of their own way. But the one thing they do have over anybody else is Fedor, who is regarded as uh, the best fighter in the world. Yeah. And for some reason, that's the one guy the UFC has not been able to get their hands on. Uh, a few years back, Randy Couture. Uh, retired from the UFC because they couldn't get the fight with Fedor. That's the one fight he wanted. He felt that was the one fight that, uh, you know, would have motivated him to fight. So he walked away from the UFC a while. Right. And I guess his bank account shrunk a little bit, and he returned <laughs> for a few fights after that. But, uh, you know, I, I want to talk about Fedor Emelianenko. You have uh, well, been uh, on may I add one more? Ben. May I add one more thing about uh, the strike force and all that? Yeah, well, we'll get to that, but I, I just want to talk about Fedor for a minute here, then you could get back to the strike force. I mean, you're a guy who's been praising Fedor for quite a while, uh, and, you know, he's the one thing that strike force, one of the good things that strike force has. So my question to you, and you can get into what you want to get into based on this question, is right. how does such a Mickey Mouse organization like strike force, who seems like they're in, always in trouble, be able to, you know, have the rights to the best fighter and all. Why is Fedor, you know, there? Well, it's very simple. It's because they have limited say on what he does. If he went to UFC, Dana White would tell him, you got to fight this guy or else you're not getting paid or, or whatever. It seems that he picks and chooses what he does in, in, in Showtime with the M1 production, which he's affiliated with. He's part of this organization, M1, uh, which I guess is his promotion company. So he gets, I believe, to choose who he fights and what, whatnot, or what he does. You know, that, that's, well, that's an interesting point. Like. Uh, I mean, and you're right, the UFC would not cater to him. You have to abide by the UFC rules. You have to fight who they say. You're not going to get cherry-picked Mickey Mouse fight. And I'm not right. saying Fedor has in Strike Force. He might... Right. You know he's fought he's fought a couple of pretty uh, decent opponents, uh, but you know when you take a look at Brock Lesnar when he before he got to the UFC he was you know fighting a couple of you know ho hum opponents and then his first opponent in the UFC was Frank Mir who was you know the well established champion. So I mean that that's an interesting point. So uh, my question to you now is what does that say about Fedor? Well, I think he's getting uh, older, and uh, I mean, before there was no question, nobody could beat him. Now there might be a question if maybe Shane Carwin could beat him. Uh, maybe then the guy he's fighting now, uh, Fabrizio Verdun, if he takes Verdun him to the ground, he, he, he has world-class grappling skill. I mean, if Fedor gets on top of him, probably Fedor will pound him into submission. But if Verdun gets on top of him, we might have a submission uh, via Verdun. I guess he's getting a little pickier and a little more uh, less riskier in his uh, later fights. Well, Fedor is the total package in the fights that I've seen him in. Right. And he has that X factor of being able to end a fight with one punch from pretty much anywhere in the fight. And right. not a lot of mixed martial artists have that. So, you know, you know, I would love to see him come over to the UFC. But right now, I guess we have to take what we could get. 
the fight against Wardoom should be interesting. That's a top-level fight. Yeah. And then if he does get past that, everything I've heard is a fight with Overeem would be next. That would be a great fight. And that would be a big uh, pay-per-view deal. Yeah, that that would be a great fight. But uh, other than that, though, Strike Force is really, really you could tell the inferiority that Strike Force has. Even though I still enjoy watching the mixed martial arts fights, and I enjoyed the card. I mean, the co-main event was Andre Olowski versus Antonio Silva, two guys, who, you know, who were in the UFC. Well, no, Antonio but, Silva uh, wasn't wasn't in the UFC. He wasn't, didn't he? No, Olowski was. Wasn't Antonio Silva the guy that fought Tim Sylvia? Oh, no, you're thinking of uh, there's another, um, what's his name? Uh, that's the dude that made him crap in his pants. I forgot. <laughs> it was another Silva. There's a lot of yeah, that wasn't him? No, was that was... Like no, uh, this guy looks like... Uh, this guy had that uh, problem that Andre the Giant had. A magnetism where, you know, the head is too big. Right, uh, right, right. I, I forgot the guy. Uh, it, it, his last name is Silva also. Well, well, I thought it was the same guy. Well, No, the other guy was more normal, normal looking. I think his well, name was Asurio, Asurio Silver, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Okay. Well, I mean, Arlovsky uh, was a prominent UFC fighter, but that was yeah, about yeah. six or seven years ago. Definitely. So, and 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 he's co and and it was a it was a decent fight. It was nothing great. Right. But uh, I mean, if they ever happen to lose Fedora, I think they're dead. Uh, well, they got Jake Shields, and they got uh, the Diaz. Uh, you know, Nick Diaz is a big uh, and Chung Lee, and I don't know. They, I mean, yeah, Fedora is definitely the is the bread and butter. But they got some other fighters who are exciting. I mean, Nick Diaz is probably one of the best pound-for-pound fighters right now, but he's really not getting recognition because, I guess, in the UFC, a lot of guys beat the crap out of him. But I think he's getting better with age. His boxing skills and jiu-jitsu. And even though I don't like him. Yeah, Jake Shields is good. You mentioned Jake Shields, and uh, another report that I heard was that... uh, his contract uh, with Strike Force is ending soon, and Dana White has every intention of snatching him up for the UFC. And from what I hear, Jake Shields uh, says that he is not—he wasn't happy with how Strike Force is handling him, and he sees that it's an inferior organization. And a lot of people feel that if he does get an offer, he will come to the UFC. Right. Well, we don't know until it happens. You know, it's all speculation. But uh, you well, know, Dana White does bring like uh, some positive things, and he does bring some negative. I mean, as we were talking the other day, yeah, he, he tries to help these uh, amateur fighters, but then he doesn't want to see any other organizations thrive. He's always doing his best to put free fights on. I mean, free old fights on when these guys are doing live fights on the cable or whatever. <laughs> Uh, he's trying to squash the competition, and uh, yeah, well, but he, he doesn't enough money. Well, he still wants to, he wants to squash the competition. That's what he's all, and and I think he's very passionate about it, especially with Strike Force, because he does not think they're a well-run organization. Well. So, I mean, you have to give him that as well. I mean, I just think that uh, he feels that uh, that that organization is an insult to his sport. And uh, the things that they do and get uh, cited for hurt the sport of mixed martial arts as a whole. So maybe that's another reason why he's trying to crush it. Yeah, but he tried to crush uh, Pride and a few other things till Pride eventually uh, went down on its own and he, he bought it for seven. Uh, I forgot how much he paid. So seven something. I don't know if it was seventy million or seven million. I I don't know the exact number. You know. But, well, but he, he tried to. Like sport- uh, you know, Give Strike Force a little bit more. Well, obviously, it's obvious Rich is not a big Dana White fan, but no. I personally am. <laughs> I, I think you have to be. A, I still can't get how you're a mixed martial artist fan and do not like Dana White. But that's another. That's a whole other show. No, I mean, I, I'll, I'll, I'll brief it up real quick. I mean, I like the fact that he. No, has I don't. I don't brief know, it up. Brief it up. I want to. I want to. You know, get into that into more detail at another time, Rich. Uh, and you, you could definitely have more time to prepare as to why. 
and, and it, uh, like I said, that we could do a whole hour on that. But I wanted to give one last plug to Strike Force. I, I saw that their next card as a main event of Robbie Lawler and Babalu Sabo. Yeah, that's going to be at the good uh, Slugfest. That's another indication that those are definitely two guys who were in the UFC who weren't as successful, but two guys, especially Lawler, who I feel is very entertaining. Uh, Lawler always gives it his all. He's uh, part of the Matthews uh, regime, and you know he's a guy I, I, you know, I admire as a fighter because he always lays it out there, win or lose. Right, definitely. He had a fight with Shields where he was winning, and then Shields caught him with a guillotine. Uh, I mean, Babalu, uh, Babalu. I, I don't think I've seen a fight with Babalu where he's won. So <laughs> you know that 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 should be interesting. Every time I see Babalu, he's getting pasted. Yeah. So uh, it should be an interesting uh, main event. That's their next card, uh, and then uh, then they're going to have a Verdor fight for uh, Doom down the road. So well, no, I think it, it's have? the next one. Um, the 26th is, is the Fedor. Uh, the other one, I think, is the 12th, if I'm not mistaken. I'm, right, I'm not so sure Lawler, the Bobby Lawler. Lawler, Sobor is next. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Lawler and Sobor is, uh, is next. But, right. You know, some, some decent fights to get into. And if you're an MMA fan, you watch everything. It's not all about the UFC, even though they're the key. Nah, I watch all, all these the organizations. Road. I mean, if I had, uh, if I would order, the, like Dream is a big, is the big organization now in Japan. I, I, I haven't even seen them on pay per view, <laughs> but supposedly they're big. I don't know. Well, there should, there should be other, other stuff coming out of the woodwork. If anything else, it'll keep the UFC sharp. It won't let them, you know, let their right. guard down. Not that I and, think and I don't like happen. monopolies either. I mean, I think that, uh, well, yeah, maybe they can't compete with UFC, but there should be other organizations around. You know, but what I was going to say about Showtime, uh, Showtime, Elite XC, and all that—they were all part of the same thing: uh, Cage Rage, uh, Icon uh, Challenge. Then Affliction came into the picture. They all were part of one conglomerate uh, organization. And then Elite XC went down. Uh, I mean, it went bankrupt. But Strike Force was still around. They would have it every couple of. Uh, maybe once a year or whatever. That's when Overeen won his title. You know, they yeah, were all part of Gary Shore, his production. There was or definitely a lot of different stuff going on. Yeah. And at one point, I remember them. They they fought in a ring and not a cage, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they had that too, Icon or whatever. Oh, well, you uh, mentioned Gary Shore. Yeah, and and Brock Lesnar had his debut on uh, Showtime Elite. If you remember, it was Showtime Dynamite or whatever. And I'm pretty sure that took place in a ring. Yeah, that was a ring outside of, I believe it was the L.A. Coliseum, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Well, that's an example of how the different organizations work. I mean, Brock Lesnar was featured in that organization, you know, in a big, a big to-do against a pretty much what I regard as a hand-picked opponent. Yeah. And when he came over to the UFC, he had to prove himself against a champion in Frank Mir. So, you know, right was, there uh, tells you. Well, he was supposed to fight Hung Mang Choi, a seven-foot giant kickboxing champion from Korea, but Hung Mang Choi got hurt or something, so he wound up fighting this smaller Korean guy, which he beat him up uh, just ground and pound. Yeah, I mean, you know, Brock Lesnar is definitely now one of the top dogs, but he did start out in that organization. Correct. And... Uh, yeah, I, I just think that you you mentioned one last thing I want to talk about is you mentioned Gary Shaw and he was a guy who was a boxing promoter. Correct. And when I see when I hear I love boxing, it's still one of my favorite sports. But when I hear the word boxing promoter, I hear sleaze bag and up to no good. Right. So maybe that's why that organization is having a lot of problems. Well, he, his main focus promoter. is striking. He wants to keep the fighters on uh, on their feet as long as possible. You know, grappling is a second notion for him. Well, boxing promoters try and control everything. They want to get their champions. They want to make the most money out of their champions with as little risk as they can. And, and they want to control everything. And, and, and for the beauty of the UFC is, you know, they're, they're, even though it seems like Dana White controls everything, he doesn't control, you know, he, his main interest is 
putting out the best product out there, not protecting anybody and not trying to, you know, right. make something and seem like all something the money that's too. not there. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I, I can't get into that because I don't know enough about it. But we've had, had Mo on the line, and that's enough of our MMA talk for tonight. We will continue with uh, MMA on Thursday. The Ultimate Fighter Show will be on Wednesday, and we'll definitely talk about the results of the show and what else is going on in the mixed martial arts world on Thursday at 11 p.m. But Mo, I want to get you a couple of words in from you. You've been hanging on a long time. Uh, Jay Rios was talking about Game Time Phillies player, Players Bowl, and you're a guy who was a Madden veteran. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on tournaments like that? Well, I think they're a lot more grueling than uh, what we used to do with the Madden game. I mean, there were nights where we had games five, six hours of tournament nights, actually, which were normally the playoff nights. But other than that, it, it was by week thing, which I thought was pretty grueling in itself. Come in week in, week out, whether you lose, you win, having to face somebody else new. And, Mo, you were very successful in that format. Tell everybody how many times you came on top in a, in a format like that. Well, my first, probably, I'd say my first five years, I won uh, four Madden tournaments. I won three in a row. Then I lost to Jay for the fourth one when he renamed the trophy the Bob Memorial Trophy after a pigeon that he had nursed back to health. And then I was able to win one last one right after that when people thought it was over for me and I was done with. And yet you're still playing the game, Mo. I don't think you the tournament uh, circuit, but you, you still religiously buy the game. Uh, you recently talked about being online and playing. Do you think you could ever get it in you to get back to the, to the top, to get into the, the tournament circuit, to really dedicate the time that it takes to, to be successful in a players' bowl type of an atmosphere. To be honest, I think the only way that happens is if I win the uh, lotto there, and I don't have to work another <laughs> day in my life. But other than that, I don't see that happening. I don't have the time like a lot of players do to put into the game like I used to. So that's out of the question, I think. Oh, well, having said that, then how much do you admire people who do do it, and how do you think they manage to do it? Well, I think a lot of it with the younger guys, they tailor their lives around the game, which is how probably I used to do the same thing too. The game would come first, then everything else would come second. But these young guys who we do it now, I think a lot of them, when you're younger, your reflexes are better. As you get older, the reflexes aren't as good. You can't read and react to things as well as you did when you were first starting out. And how often do you play now, Mo? Um, I'd say one or two games against the computer a night, you know, at, at most. So I'd say maybe two to three hours maybe in a day into the game. Not a whole lot like you used to. Uh, do you think you could get back into the, the tournament circuit as an official? Doing what I'd like to. Like Jay Rios described. Well, I'd like to. I, I still find the game fascinating. I still look at it as a chess match. It may not be physical in that sense, you know, like a lot of these other sports, but it is a mental sport in itself, a lot like chess itself, very mental, and it's, it can be very grueling on the mind. Well, one mistake can mean a game and one mistake can mean a game and, and a tournament and a big purse. So there's a lot out there. The competition is definitely there. Uh, I want to thank uh, Mo. I want to thank Rich. I want to thank Jay Rios for making this uh, another great show. Uh, the MMA is probably the fastest-growing sport right now. Uh, its popularity is through the roof. The UFC, the top dog of that. But uh, another sport I would like to see be the fastest-growing sport is, you know, the Madden tournaments, the video game world, these gamers are sportsmen, they are competitive, uh, and sometimes maybe they, they lose their cool like everybody else, but that's because the competition's there. And if you never got into a competition, then you don't understand it. The pressure and the adrenaline it takes, and the focus it takes for these sports to to excel. So I would like to see people out there 
maybe give uh, these guys a little bit more credit for what they're doing and not demean them. Uh, you know, when you're not even walking in their shoes, they're reporting from the sidelines. So uh, I want to thank uh, the MMA and the gaming world. You are both sports at one time. Neither one of you guys sports, and you're the top dogs of the nation as far as I'm concerned right now. And uh, I want to thank everybody and have a good night. Thank you. Yeah.